electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, Bitcoin bouncing up, down, and all around, and it all traces back to the Twitter. Someone did tweet about Bitcoin, and I have confirmed it, Andrew. I have I see it right What's here. That? Who was it? Breaking down the public's response to the Robin Hood drama with pollster Frank Luntz. If you're making short-term profits, but people feel like they're punished in the long term, that's your wake-up call this morning. Pay attention. Your industry is under threat. And New Jersey has vaccinated one million people. Governor Phil Murphy on getting to the end of the pandemic. We are making undeniable progress. Potentially good news at the end of the month from Johnson & Johnson, an iconic New Jersey firm, I might add. If that comes online and is approved, that's a game changer for the positive. Those stories plus junk bonds and Colin Spackerneck. Once again, we're the last to, uh, to get on board for the squawk. I can't say it, though. I don't think we should do it. Squawk's back. It's Wednesday, February 10th, 2021. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Where's the cat? Beck gets turned into a cat. Saw it earlier. Uh, was it? You no, did. he was he was here before the show started. It's a Kicked cute little. It was like this big two weeks ago. What happened? And you're feeding that thing. Uh, anyway, you, you have to. They grow fast. Know. I'm laughing, Andrew, because I heard you were going to explain what might be happening with Bitcoin to be down three <laughs> percent. How can you three <laughs> percent? How can you possibly explain what's ha- what did you come up with? It's, Why is it down three percent? You know, I'm I'm. <laughs> Trying to dig into what could it just, possibly you want to understand be? it? Well, you, you, you want to look. Well, it moves ten percent on any given day for no reason well, whatsoever. Oftentimes, we see people tweeting. Obviously, Elon right. Musk saying things. Other Let's people doing for, things. I'd wait for five percent anyway. Uh, I mean, it was just at forty-five, forty-seven, forty-eight, forty-two. Probably down three percent on no tweet. Yeah, exactly. It might be down on There's uh, no on tweets out this morning, so it's not up. Bitcoin pulling back a bit today, but the price of the digital currency has nearly quadrupled just since September. That rise has come with a lot of volatility, sometimes swings as much as 20% in a single day. With Elon Musk's enthusiasm by tweet for cryptocurrency and Tesla's announcement that consumers can begin to buy cars with Bitcoin, crypto's moment as a legitimate investment seems to have arrived. And it's happening at an interesting time. Asset prices are booming across the American economy. Stocks, houses, you've seen the price of silver and gold. The Federal Reserve's response nearly one year ago in the earliest days of the coronavirus pandemic was to flood a virus-shaken system with money. The central bank lowered short-term interest rates and has promised to keep them low for years. The Fed has also pushed down long-term interest rates through its massive corporate bond purchasing program that went on well into the summer of last year. 
The Fed's moves added needed stability to the markets and some predictability for investors as well in unpredictable times, meaning now investors are peeking all around looking for assets that might offer higher returns, value, even from those with possible risks. You know what, what got me today, guys, was uh, in the journal, the, they did a great piece on, on where junk bond yields are for below 4%. I saw it. It was a record for the first time yesterday. Yeah. And then in that piece, Chicago public school junk bonds, less than 2%. Mm -hmm. City of Detroit junk bonds, less than 2%. So this is just... Well, that's a bet on stimulus coming to bail it out. Add this to the list. Don't we add this to the list? Yeah. In fact, somebody did add this to the list list. recently. Who who were we speaking with? Who were we speaking with that was talking about just this? Um, Rick Reeder, maybe? Was he the one who was warning us a little bit about the, what's happening with junk bonds, about how even with it, junk. It, it's getting to these levels where it's... But it's just, yeah. isn't it just, another check mark? Just another, wow, there's just so much money chasing, just chasing whatever, whatever it, it can do at, at this point. Colin yeah. Kaepernick now has a SPAC. Did you see that? I saw that. <laughs> I did not see that. Uh, Due diligence, right? Yep. God bless him. He's going to serve as co-chair of Mission Advancement Corporation, which seeking to raise more than $287 million in an IPO. SPAC is looking for a, um, uh, various different consumer, consumer businesses target to, trying to target those consumer businesses. The board is made up of members uh, who are a majority female and 100% black, indigenous, uh, and people of color. Kaepernick last played, of course, in the NFL back in 2016. The since season, he launched player protests during the national anthem to draw attention to police brutality and systemic Racism. We're the last to uh, to get on board for the squawk. I can't say it though. Uh, it's just too hard. I don't think we should do it. Squawk 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 back. Squawk back. I, I think we're about we're, we're probably about six to twelve months too late at this at this point in the ball the game. Squack. The squawk. Maybe not. We'll see. The spark. The spark. We could do the or the squack. I don't know. It, it, these are the kind of things that, in hindsight, we go. I mean, come on. Was it not? Maybe they are. Maybe they're not. I. We, 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 no one rings a bell. No one rings a bell. But Nobody two percent uh, city of Detroit bonds, two percent, less than two percent. Someone did tweet about Bitcoin and I have confirmed it, Andrew. I have I see it right What's here. That? Who was it? Someone did tweet about Bitcoin and I have confirmed it. The blue check mark is there. Person has eight point four million followers. Lindsay Lowen tweeted uh, Bitcoin to the moon. Exactly two hours ago to her 8.4 million followers. So you were right. Not the same reaction you, when Elon Musk tweets right. that. But you were right. Someone did tweet. What's funny is I'm looking Look. at Melissa Lee follows Lindsay Lohan. I'm going to follow her right now. Right the hell. <laughs> anyway, New Jersey. We, we, um, for, for, for some reason, look, every time Bitcoin goes up. We, we try to explain why no, we it don't. goes up. No, we don't. We, as, I mean, From 10,000 to 50. We, last, we had Elon Musk. We were, we're that's a one. Okay. Whatever. Every last little tweet okay, of some three, little three per, percent. Some person. You, you, you microanalyze the 3% moves. You'll get a long way with that. Next on Squawk Pod, how the public is thinking about the Reddit rebellion, Robin Hood, and financial opportunity. Strategist and pollster Frank Luntz. Because everything has become so politicized and so democratized, which should be a good thing, it now means that people who are less sophisticated, less involved, who want their piece of the American dream, those people could actually bring down a system that has worked well for this country for the last 100 years. 
What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin. A new poll out this morning that um, shows a majority of people believe the stock market is rigged against amateur investors in favor of large professional investors. Pollster Frank Luntz did a deep dive last night with a focus group to get a sense of how folks are feeling about hedge funds and Robinhood. Frank joins us right now. Frank, uh, let's start with a soundbite on hedge funds this morning. What is so bad about hedge funds? I think very positively about hedge funds. And they help middle America just as much as they do the wealthy. It's just greed and short-term gain at the expense of people who have put their blood, sweat, and tears into companies that may not fail if it weren't for the hedge funds pinning them into a corner. I think the ultimate problem is that the term hedge fund is just terribly defined. Like, I don't think any of us here actually really know, you know, what a hedge fund is. So, Frank, that that's what I was really going to say. And, and, and your last uh, person polled maybe said it best. How well do you think the American public even understands what a hedge fund is in truth versus the perception of them? Not well at all. But that's their responsibility. That's their fault. The fact is that this is an industry that's under attack. This is an industry that isn't trusted. People don't have faith and confidence in it. And one of the challenges that they, quite frankly, they've got no one explaining what they do. And I don't mean lobbyists. I mean, people who are responsible for saying, for explaining the process, explaining why they are important to the investment community. Because right now, with Democrats in control of the House and Senate, you could absolutely see uh, some sort of constraints, additional regulation, because that was key in all of this, that the American people want to see some sort of balance between the retail investors and the hedge funds, right. and they don't see it right hey, now. Hey, Frank, real quick, uh, before we get to the next, uh, the next shot, and I want to show it in a second, what percentage of your, the, the group you polled you think even knows that hedge funds typically manage money for other people, as in pension funds or, or things of that sort? Before the group began, very few. That was something that was emphasized by those who support hedge funds But, uh, Andrew, what I found fascinating is some of the greatest critics come from the Trump side, not just the Biden side. Some of the greatest critics are small C capitalists, believe in economic freedom and think that hedge funds have actually upset the markets and give people an unfair balance. So don't assume that this is just left wing pablum, that some people who voted Republican this time, they, too, believe that there's something unfair about Wall Street. Okay, I want to get to that in a second, but your focus group was showing a pretty strong consensus that there needs to be more regulation. Listen to what they had to say. I don't think anybody's saying that hedge funds shouldn't exist, but I definitely think that all of these big money uh, entities need to be regulated carefully so that we don't end up with more crashes. And you don't think that the SEC is doing a good job in regulating them as it stands? I think it comes down to people want to put more regulations in place to make things fair problem is, is once those regulations are in place, 
they'll just find another way around it. You know, it seems like every time you put something in place, someone will find a way around it. And there you go. I think one of the challenges for them, and I'll give you an example because I was looking this morning at some of the websites, both of the hedge funds and the retail firms, uh, people like Robinhood. On their posting on January 29th, there's no essence of priorities and principles. They don't explain what they are about or why they give the advantage to the investor. Uh, there's no Q&As or FAQs. And these are right. things that investors want to look for that explains to them exactly what they do and what side they're on. And in fact, the language, Andrew, we stand with our customers. People don't believe that anymore. They don't believe that Wall Street is in it for the average person. They believe that it's in it for the big and powerful. And please, for viewers out there, I'm not on that side. I'm delivering this as a warning based on the focus groups, based on the polling. Right. Half of Americans not want now want more uh, restrictions or at least more uh, regulations on hedge funds and 45%, which is close to an all-time high, want it on Wall Street. So something is going um, wrong with the messaging and communication. I want to show you another clip, and then, I, and then I'm going to ask you a question on the other side of it. Lastly, when it comes to Robinhood, the group felt a reckoning is coming, and I want to show you what they had to say. I want to ask you about Robinhood. Do they help democratize the uh, stock market? Should they be allowed to do whatever they want to do? Absolutely not. Who are they to tell me with my money I'm not allowed to buy or sell? They are an agent that works for me. They should have no say-so in it. That again goes back to my definition of it being a free market. If it's a free market, you you cannot tell me what I can and cannot do it. At least they didn't talk over each other. At least in this industry or talking about finances, people still have respect for each other. But I'm warning those watching that that respect is rapidly decreasing because they're not communicating effectively what they do, how they do it. They've not laid out their principles. They've not laid out their priorities. And investors, quite frankly, think that it's all rigged against them. Frank, but here, here's a very meta question. And I, I'm always trying to figure out what we're actually solving for. Are we solving for an investor's view of both freedom and the idea that the individual can do as well as a professional? Is that, is that what we're trying to solve for? Or are we trying to solve for a system which creates the most efficient process possible to create the most growth and economic wealth for as many people as possible? Because those may be two very different things in truth. Well, that's the perfect question. And my answer is that we should be solving the latter, but unfortunately we're solving the former. That because everything has become so politicized and so democratized, which should be a good thing, it now means that people who are less sophisticated, less involved, who want their piece of the American dream, they want their piece of the pie, which they have the right to, those people could actually bring down a system that has worked well for this country for the last 100 years. This is a wake-up call, literally. This is me shouting at you, listen to the voices of the people, pay attention. If you don't resolve your communication, your marketing, if you're making short-term profits, but people feel like they're punished in the long term, like that woman who said, it's my money, that's your wake-up call this morning. Pay attention. Your industry is under threat. It's under jeopardy. And you've already seen Maxine Waters announce that she's going to have hearings on this in a couple of weeks. Don't think she's on your side. She's going to deliver. If you don't hear me and the voices of the American people, she's going to deliver to you in two weeks time. Frank, uh, it's always good to see you. It's a fascinating poll. And the results, um, I think, have uh, there's a lot of lessons in there for a lot of folks 
to think about uh, what the next steps are. But we appreciate it, and we hope to have you back very soon to continue this, this conversation. Thank you, Andrew. Coming up, what's on the docket for New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy, from vaccines to racial justice to economics and budgeting? There's a lot of balls in the air right now, and the big one, though, is getting the pandemic solved, and that's job number one. That conversation, right after this. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan. New Jersey hitting a COVID uh, vaccine milestone. More than one million doses have been administered. The goal is to get 4.7 million vaccinated uh, by the summer. For more, let's welcome Governor Phil Murphy of New Jersey. We'll try and uh, we'll try and save some time at the end, Governor. I know you were you were making some extravagant claims yesterday about New Jersey's pizza uh, being on <laughs> National Pizza Day, and I don't know whether you can substantiate those or not. Chicago's mad, the deep dish people. New York is mad. You you uh, you know we'll we'll let you do that at the end. But much more serious things to talk about uh, at the beginning, though, sir, and that is. You've got, I think, just under 1.1 million vaccinations administered at this point. Uh, So you surpassed a million this week. Is that how is that working? How is it going? How are you how how is New Jersey able to increase? And are you satisfied uh, with, with with the progress? Joe, good to be with you. Not satisfied yet, but we've made a lot of progress. It's in the context of an enormous supply demand imbalance. Uh, which exists everywhere, and it certainly exists in New Jersey. But we've got almost 300 points of distribution, including six mega sites that can do several thousand doses a day. Um, and, and we are, you know, th- this each day is getting better and better. We still need more supply. I'm confident that the Biden team will deliver the goods. It won't be overnight. Uh, but this is a work in progress. But as you say, we're, we're now broken well through 1.1 million. Uh, and, and we are making undeniable progress. And that's, again, with two vaccines, Moderna and Pfizer, potentially good news at the end of the month from Johnson & Johnson, an iconic New Jersey firm, I might add. If that comes online uh, and is approved, that's a game changer for the positive. So slowly but surely, we're getting there. What else are you considering, Governor? I mean, you must be considering, I don't know, different uh, distribution centers. What's... What is the rate limiting factor right now? Is it still just supply and what, and what, what New Jersey is able to get its hands on? Yeah, supply is, is Joe, without question, the, the, the limiting factor. But I'll give you an example. We opened up a call center a couple of weeks ago. We had a lot of seniors who were not able to access our website. So we said, you know what, let's, let's get a call center up and running. We've got 250 people manning it. Uh, that is now getting well on its feet. Uh, again, you've got an enormous supply demand imbalance. 
But, but the supply piece, if we could wave a magic wand, uh, that would be the one we'd wave it at. And again, the Biden team are doing an extraordinary job, uh, and I'm confident they'll deliver, they'll deliver the supply. It won't, it won't be overnight, uh, but we will get this. Becky? Hey, Governor, obviously a lot of people want to get this shot. I, I guess my biggest question is, why are smokers in line to get this vaccination ahead of teachers? Yeah, so there are two types of people, Becky, right now that are eligible. One group are the team that we need to help defeat the, the virus. There are several types of folks on that list, but healthcare workers would be the, the big one. The other group are the most vulnerable. So this is not speculation. This is based on the data, on the facts. Who, who, who has gotten sick? Who's been hospitalized? Who have we lost? And that's really in two categories. 65 years and older seniors, and then under 65 years old with chronic health conditions. And so that includes the stuff you would expect, diabetes, heart condition, cancer. It also includes obesity. And yes, it does include smoking. So it's a, it's a false choice to compare smokers versus someone else. Anyone who's under 65, who is the most vulnerable, including if you're an essential worker, an educator, you're eligible right now. I hope we'll get to educators uh, sooner than later. Uh, they're, they're, they're in the on-deck circle. Uh, and, and again, I hope we'll get there soon. I understand the need to, to try and protect the most vulnerable. And obviously, if you've been a smoker for decades, you, you may have a much heightened risk if you get COVID. But I've also known people who have said, OK, I'm going to become a smoker this week so I can go get the vaccine. Yeah. And it's frustrating when you're somebody who yeah. hasn't made those life choices to, to see those people kind of jumping the line. Yeah, there, there may be some of that. Uh, no question. No system is perfect. There's not a lot of it uh, based on all the evidence we have. Folks are doing the right thing and, and they're stepping up to the plate for the right reasons. Uh, and again, we're going to be able to expand this. We're talking now a matter of weeks as opposed to even months. We're going to be able to expand this uh, meaningfully and I hope soon. I watch what you do. I, I heard you went to Matheny yesterday and saw the frontline workers getting, getting vaccines. That's a very special place uh, for, for our, my family, in fact. And, and uh, yeah, I guess that's what is how much of your time is spent monitoring the, the progress here at 90 percent at this point that that's yep. that's that you had one job and that's it right now yeah well <clears throat> uh, we are being tested as to whether or not we can walk and chew gum in government uh i suspect anywhere but the pandemic is job number one we've got an economy that's been reeling joe as you know we've talked about that i've got to deliver a budget in the next couple of weeks mother nature has intervened of late uh We've had the, 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 the national moment of uh, uh, dealing with racial justice and racism. There's a lot of balls in the air right now. And, yeah. and, and the big one, though, is getting the pandemic uh, solved. And that's job number one. So, Governor, I don't know if you saw this political piece. It's kind of interesting. And it, it, it points out that uh, you, you weren't that well known. You were elected. Uh, the middling poll numbers, weak name recognition. I don't know if you saw this, but then the pandemic came along and you're now at 60 percent. But Republicans and I don't know if everyone knows you're up. You're running for reelection this year. You're the only um, you're the only incumbent that's running for reelection. So the, everybody's going to be watching to see how the pandemic plays out in this election. And I guess uh, the GOP is already trying to to. Uh, I don't know, f focus on uh, New Jersey having the highest per capita death toll or, or the people that died in the nursing homes. Do you feel comfortable that, that your response is, is, is going to be by voters uh, taken very positively? Listen, Joe, honestly, I am up for reelection and I'm proud that I'm, I'm running. 
Um, but I frankly spend almost no time on politics. Uh, we wake up every day trying to get it as right as we can. <clears throat> we got clobbered last spring, as you know, um, <clears throat> excuse me, particularly with our seniors and long term care. Like a lot of other states and a lot of other places in the world, every single day we, we, we try to get the best result possible, save as many lives as possible, save as many jobs as possible, frankly, uh, as well. And, and frankly, I'll let the chips fall politically where they may. Yeah, I, I think that's where that the per capita death toll comes from, just the very early stages. And, and um, I guess, w- would you say New Jersey hit, hit its stride in, in, in the subsequent waves that we've seen? Because it, uh, it, I mean, it, it, everybody's had to deal with this around the entire globe, not just states yeah. here in the United I mean, States. The, the metro New York City reality was the first big area, and that includes New Jersey, especially our northern counties, and we got clobbered. Uh, we came together, uh, we broke the back of the curve, and we drove it almost into the ground over the summer. But we're not immune to that second wave, and we're, you know, we've been dealing with that now for months. I think it's crested. Uh, these variants obviously are a concern, so that's something we're keeping a close eye on. I think it's crested. Uh, and again, folks came together and did the right things. Um, and, we, and we will do a full accounting, I promise you, a full post-mortem on what we got right or what we may, may, we may not have gotten right. But I do promise you this, every day I wake up, our team wakes up, as I said, trying to save every single life we can. The, uh, there's a deadline, I guess, now for February 18th on a recreational marijuana uh, uh, bill. It was extended. What, what are you, what's, what's the delay? Uh, you're going to sign it? Uh, you're expected to sign that legislation, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's something that we, we've wanted, uh, and the big reason, as I've said on this program before, is social justice. We, New Jersey, we inherited the widest white-non-white gap of persons incarcerated in America, and the overwhelming reason are low-end drug crimes. Uh, we're getting there. I'm still optimistic we'll get it done. We've got a couple of principles that, that we cannot violate. Number one, we don't want to put any—no one wants to put more kids into our criminal justice system, including most especially kids of color— and at the same time, uh, the, the voters voted to legalize adult use cannabis. Uh, no one no one's voted to legalize it for our kids. So uh, getting this right and, and respecting both of those principles is what we're trying to do. And I'm still optimistic we'll get there. Back to some a little lighter. Is the pizza place in Becky's neighborhood? Someone tweeted in there. Is there a specific place that you're talking about that has just all New Jersey? Because not all New Jersey pizza. It, huh? Yeah, well, that, that shot is in Newark, but it was from Maplewood, New Jersey. But we've got oh, pizza, great pizza uh, parlors up and down <laughs> the state. I, we're, we're number one, Joe. I mean, there's no debate about this anymore. There's no debate? There's no <laughs> debate? There, I mean, no, New, no. New York, Brooklyn, none of these? No. I mean, t- huh? Chicago? No, it's over. It's over. The votes are in. We won. You know, I remember this guy from uh, this guy from New Hampshire said something, Andrew, about New York. And Andrew, you went crazy. I mean, what? what remember Sununu? What? I mean, are you got anything to say about uh, about the, the New York pizza? I, you, you, you don't like people saying stuff like this, do you? I like, Listen, I like we, to be gen- I like to be generous to the governor. I like to be generous to this governor. So uh, to this one, can, what happened can, to what Sununu? He can have his you? views. I would love to invite him across the bridge so he can have a real slice of pizza. I think there that, you that go. there's probably there's some trash a bit of a, talk. A there's some trash I respect, talk our, I respect our competitors, but the votes are in. Thanks, Governor. We'll see you. Take care, guys. 
That's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears. Subscribe to Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. If you have suggestions, feedback, or just want to say hello, write us a review on your favorite podcast platform or send us a tweet at Squawk CNBC. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.